Welcome back, everyone. This is the Bless You Boys podcast, episode number 14. Bless You Boys is your home on the SB Nation platform for all things Detroit Tigers baseball and beyond. I'm your host, Brandon Day. I'm the staff editor and writer for Bless You Boys. And with me is my co-host, Ashley McLennan, who does those things as well. Ashley. It makes you sound so impressive. It's just like, <laughs> Ashley also does I do stuff. all this stuff. Ashley kind of does it too, I guess. (laughs) Yep, whatever. I'm just everywhere. It's fine. Hello, everybody. Episode 14. When did that happen? Have we even had 14 weeks of this year? It doesn't feel like um, I'm skilled enough at this to have had 14, but... It's super funny because I'm on a, I'm on a different podcast and I think we're, we've just hit like episode 89 oh, wow. and it's taken us, I think, easily three years to get there. <laughs> At the rate we're going, we'll easily hit episode 89 next year. Oh, yeah. So it's kind of ridiculous because we only release every two weeks. So and we took a big hiatus and it's also a lot harder to coordinate the schedules of five people than two. Oh, no, you have five people on that podcast? Yeah, it's five of us, and we do it in person, so it's even harder. So we have, like, a round table and, like, set up with the real mics and everything like that. So it's, uh, it can be an absolute nightmare to figure that out. Oh, that's cool. You got, you've got somebody over there who's a pro at uh, recording multiple people and doing a professional setup. That's, that's probably helpful. Oh, yeah, like, we've got the channels and the different mics and the pop screens and everything everything yeah we think you know pretty fancy pretty cool yeah we're just winging it here i i wonder i don't know i'd have to go back and look through like how many episodes like al beaton and then hook slide did um i wonder what we're actually at in terms of podcast total but the new rebooted version yeah we're we're, we're just uh what is this like, like version 3.0 of the bless you boys podcast yeah i think so yeah i mean there might have been a couple other little strays mixed in there for a few few episodes where someone gave it a try back before uh, before my time but yeah i think it's just those three so yep 3.0 yeah, we're holding the fort down i hope you guys like it too yep like in android terms we're at like let's see we need something with like a c like a c, chocolate. Like cookie i think it was like oh, cookie, cookie. Yep, or curious. croissant <laughs> or something delicious <laughs> yep all right. Uh, before we get into it, I just want to, we, we've been mentioning this the past few weeks. Um, we did start up a Patreon page. Um, we are soliciting um, readers of the site, um, listeners to the podcast to become a patron and support our work at the site and on the podcast over at patreon.com backslash bless you boys. Um, you can donate over there. Um, there's there's multiple levels, though. The James McLean, McCain, <laughs> James McCann tier McCain. at $1 <laughs> McCain. I was thinking of John McCain earlier. I know you were thinking Die words. Hard. Yep. Oh yeah, John, um, John like McLean, it. even better. John McLean, maybe yeah. the best. John Mick something. And then yeah, uh, the, I agree. Yeah, we have the, the there's a Nick Castellanos level, which is three dollars a month. Miguel Cabrera level, which is five dollars a month, and you can pick any one of those. There's different wards you can find laid out there. And before we get started, I just wanted to um, thank everyone who'd kind of subscribed over just over the past week. Um, we had. Um, let's see, we've got John Douglas um, for $5. Thank you very much, John. Thank you, Charlie Pickering, for donating at the $7 level, and Thomas Grundahl, who donated at the $1 level. Um, we really appreciate you guys' support. Um, hopefully we can keep building this thing. Um, if you can't you know, pledge or, or donate anything, that's perfectly fine as well. Um, we will make do as we always have. Um, we're just, just kind of trying to find a way to, um, to make this work for us a little bit more effectively and also give us hopefully some funding for things like contests and prizes perhaps at some point. We'll just have to see how it all, all plays out. Um, so yeah, if you can support us, um, we'd appreciate it. Please head over there. So with all the advertising and tomfoolery out of the way, it's been an interesting week. We're, uh, we're in the home stretch here. We've really only got about, what do we got, nine days. Nine days till opening Stop. day. Yeah, stuff is actually starting to happen. You know, it almost feels like baseball is coming. 
there, I mean, Alex Cobb was signed today by the Baltimore Orioles for reasons. And then yeah, that leads to good Greg project, Holland. It, he did, yeah. It was uh, four years, 60 mil. I know, which, which is amazing. Is, which is aces, especially for the Rays. Apologies, I'm going to do this because it means they do get a higher draft pick in oh, yeah, that the round. Team. I think they go from having like a 75th round or like a 75th pick to like a 35th so um pretty good we were all kind of collectively holding our breaths there so good for alex cobb good for the rays hurrah hurrah yeah that's pretty good yep i mean that's a better deal than you know jake arietta got which is which is kind of surprising well not really yeah. better but but longer term and, and definitely better than i than i thought alex cobb would get the way things were going but yeah, um, I mean, good for him for holding out because that was the big thing right we knew he had offers but he was waiting for something bigger and multi-year and ended up getting what he wanted. Now, whether or not he's just returning to the same division he was in, um, so these aren't going to be surprising batters for him. He was already spending nine. You know, the the East, the AL East, was already you know featuring nineteen matchups against these teams every year anyway. So it may be uh, some familiar folks for him. Yep, familiar parks, familiar hitters. Yeah, for sure. And um, that really. Let's see. That really leaves just Greg Holland out there, um, former Royals and last year the Rockies closer, who um, no one has signed yet. And it's, I mean, we, I was going to mention we actually did our fantasy draft um, for the the actual staff of the of Bless You Boys, um, our league. Uh, what was it? Yeah, Monday night. And um, I kept looking at Greg Holland, like, man, you know, I should pick him up. Somebody's gonna, somebody's gonna sign Greg Holland, right? Somebody needs a closer out there. What are you doing over there, Cardinals? <laughs> that was my logic with Cobb. But did you end up taking Holland? No, I can't remember who picked him up. I was waiting because I wasn't going to go and jump out ahead. But, yeah, somebody did finally just snatch him up. So, yeah. Um, yeah, at some point, Greg Holland's going to get signed. And finally, all these people will, will have a home and <laughs> just in time for baseball to start. I hope Greg Holland is working out very hard somewhere. Well, he's probably at that camp in Florida. Yeah. That all think. of the, the missing free agents have been, yeah, been, have been working at. I think they closed that down, actually, too. So I don't know what he's been doing the past week or so since that since that closed down um but yeah just you know just just kind of like the last gasp of what has been a very very bizarre off season um so weird yeah it really has been so the big tigers news and there hasn't really been too much big tigers news um in the past couple days um there's one bad thing which was franklin perez um straining his lat muscle and he's probably going to be out until mid-season sometime around the all-star break before he'll probably head back to double a erie um you know, we'll just have to kind of have to see how that goes there. Justin Verlander had a similar thing at the beginning of the 2015 season, and it didn't take him too long once he got back to, to get into form. But um, you'd expect the Tigers to be real careful with Franklin Perez. He's still their number one prospect. So that was kind of a bummer. Um, but, you know, as far as pitcher injuries go, not the worst thing that, that can happen. And you kind of have to expect that when a lot of your best pro- prospects are pitchers. So we'll just have yeah. to it's sort of inevitable, but it, as they go, I mean, it could have absolutely have been a lot worse. Yep, and that's why, yep, there's hopefully plenty of depth there, and we'll uh, be able to feed a whole bunch of new starters and turn a few guys into relievers in the years to come. Um, the one, like, big decision that was made, um, and this one did, did kind of raise a bunch of controversy, was that um, Ryan Gardenhire named, Al- or I want to say Alex Cabnow, named Jordan Zimmerman the opening day <laughs> starter to the now surprise of just about everyone. Now, that, yeah, that would have been a It shock. would have been a huge surprise if he'd named Alex Cobb the opening day starter. Patrick O'Kennedy uh, would have been Like, oh, look, Chris Illich oh my God. tried to open his wallet and finally got us a player. <laughs> but, yeah, the Jordan Zimmerman announcement was like that came in on i think sunday 
And everyone was like, what? Did you, are you sure? Let me check our calendars, make sure it's not the 1st of, of April yet. Nope. He's, I think this just really solidifies a lot of what we've been seeing with Garden Hire, like with his decisions with Martine in the leadoff. He's very old school. Like he's very clearly rooted in that the oldest guy on the team, or at least the most seniority yeah, established with seniority is the guy you go to for that role and it's not you know the guy everybody wants the most it's not the you know the hot upstart who's been on the team for two full seasons which is michael Fulmer. you know he he's looking at it and he's going all right zim's put in his time he's the guy who's been around longest is the oldest like mike mike fires is i believe no liriano is the oldest yeah and liriano's actually had yeah. maybe a maybe as good a career as Jordan Zimmerman, which is, which yeah. begs the question, like, why not Francisco Liriano? I mean, he's Gardy's old buddy from Minnesota. They love each other. But he doesn't have the time with the Tigers, which, I mean, even Zimmerman hasn't been around a lot, but I guess that was the logic. He's just like, he's the oldest one that's been around the longest, so we tip our hat to Zimmerman. And I think it was a surprise to Zimmerman and to Fulmer that that was the decision. <laughs> Um, from what I gather from stuff he's told the media since is that he kind of got a hint of it at the beginning and like if things went well he might get that nod um, but I loved his quotes on it when he was asked like I, people straight up asked they're like did you expect this with Michael Fulmer being you know the guy and uh, Zim said he probably deserved it more than me and I'd have been fine pitching the fifth day as long as I'm in the rotation which I think is, is a pretty big admit to him um and then he went on to say he's got his days coming he's gonna start plenty of opening days and he's got a bright future and he'll get his shot which you know it's that nice team camaraderie and then of course they had to ask fulmer which i think has got to put michael in a really awkward position where he got guys going so um how did you feel about not getting that thing everybody thought you were gonna get and he said obviously to say i didn't want to start opening day would be a lie and it's everybody's dream uh, we're happy that Zim can lead us being the veteran that he is. So it's tough, right? That's very much the guardy line, right? Where you go back to the vet thing. Yeah. And that's just being um, a team player. Yeah. Everyone's being very amicable about it. So, um, you know, I think it's, it's whatever. It's who cares? <laughs> like, at I first know. I'm like, yes, this is surprising, but it doesn't really matter. Zimmerman was going to pitch one of those first five games anyway. You get a lot of people kind of throwing the jokes out. It's like, oh, Tiger's starting the season 0-1. But I mean, Zimmerman hasn't looked bad this spring. Like, yeah, he's been alright. Yep. He's been fine and not Mike Fires implodey. So I think we could do a lot worse. Speaking of Fires, he's apparently having a lot of back issues. Um, so he may not even be in that starting five at all, like we thought. So I'm curious what this means now, or whether or not we were kind of joking about it on the site. Like, we're like, yes, back injury, quote unquote, that maybe the Tigers are just realizing what a terrible mistake he might have been in that position. And are just like, oh, yeah, he's not feeling well. So we're going to start more. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it does seem like that. Um, I mean, you know, I, I assume there's got to be something there, but you just never know, like, if it's just like, eh, you know, he's got kind of, you know, standard run-of-the-mill back tightness, or there's an actual issue. I mean, I, Chris McCoskey of the Detroit News had tweeted out um, initially that they'd done an MRI and that it was had come back clean, but then he retracted that, that they actually hadn't. Um, so it didn't require an MRI, which, 
in the end, you know, if they didn't give the guy an MRI and he's having back issues, kind of kind of does make me a little bit suspicious that this was just sort of a like, well, why don't we um, why don't we kind of let him throw on the side for a few weeks and see if he can kind of get it going before we put him into the rotation? But um, there's still nine days to go. Yeah, he was pulled from his his next start in the spring training, so yeah, we'll we'll see what happens there. We'll see if he can get something going. Yeah, and I mean, you know, Norris has pitched well. Um, it's it's pretty hard. You know, I think he's got one walk this spring, which has kind of always been, I mean, that's the issue with Daniel Norris is that he tends to be inefficient, um, you know, miss up and around the zone too much and kind of get behind guys, walk too many players. So, and obviously Chris Bazio has been harping on him about that to just pump strikes in there, and he's been doing it. Um, and for the most part, it's been, been working well for him. So, yeah, you, I mean, he's definitely the better option in my mind. Um, so, yeah, maybe, you know, we'll just have to see. Maybe the fierce thing is real. Maybe Mike Fires really, you know, has has some, you know, legit back tightness. Or maybe it's just kind of a he's not pitching all that well. And that's sort of the excuse for the time being until we see how he goes. Um, and as far as the Zimmerman thing, yeah, I mean, I don't I don't honestly care that much either. I mean, you might as well get that way out of the, that start out of the way while everyone's, you know, like super drunk on opening day. So uh, no one will be paying attention <laughs> well, anyway. Since, I mean, it's against... It's the Pirates, so really, it's, you know, it's, not even it's our, you know, ball. what is it, like, our, our interleague division rivals is how they've set that up, which yeah. I still don't get. I, I don't really care, because it means, it just means the Tigers get to play at PNC sometimes, which is nice, because you get that nice skyline going, so if the MLB wants to make the Pirates our interleague rivals, I'm for it. Yep, I mean, it just feels like, you know, it's it's a done deal, like, that. that's who they've decided, you know, we're up against, and, um... That's okay. I mean, I really love PNC Park, absolutely, but I hate playing the Pirates because of the style of baseball they play. And Francisco Liriano, um, up until you know he moved to the Blue Jays in 2016, was one of the reasons why. Because that's just a dude who will like, you know, give up a hit, walk two guys, and then strike out three to escape it. Like he's just you know these long innings with runners on base that don't come to fruition. Like he can just drive drive the opposing fan base crazy. So we may see that um, from our vantage point this year, driving some other people crazy. Hopefully. He's uh, he's having a, a so just like that max that max Scherzer load the bases give us all a heart attack and then get out of the jam situation yeah it's sort of like um it's like Mike Pelfrey but with strikeouts you know to escape oh <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's an improvement we'll take it yeah that's better I'm actually I'm writing a, a fairly lengthy Francisco Luriano article at the moment and the, you know there's actually the more I look into it the more there's actually like a reasonably good chance that that he comes back and is a pretty solid starter who gives you 150 plus innings um I'll yeah when i look it. at what happened to him yeah over the last two years it hasn't hasn't really been anything too dire um he's always been a guy who's needed to strike people out because he does walk too many but he's always walked too many so he was a little bit unlucky on contact and stuff last year and um if he can kind of just pull it back together a little bit you know the tigers have a pretty good defense up the middle with machado iglesias and leonese martin in center field they got a little bit of more room out there, um, which should kind of suppress the home runs. So the more I looked into it, the more I actually kind of came away a little bit more. Like, I was happy they signed Francisco Luriano, but I wanted him as a reliever. And I still think that's probably where he's best. But there's a, you know, there's a pretty good chance he's been durable the last five, six years. Um, and his velocity hasn't dropped. His stuff basically looks the same. It's just has been his command. So here's hoping uh, Francisco Luriano can be that guy and be our, you know, number two, three four starter somewhere in there and do do a decent job i think there's a reasonable chance he can Let's yeah see. i have no oh, firm sorry. opinions either way we'll see how he goes i know i know and you know i mean we needed arms i mean anybody who can get some outs i'm, I'm perfectly willing to give him a try at this point oh yeah 
it was one of the things they really needed to pick up this offseason. And honestly, they gambled on both Fires and Liriano. So if even if just Liriano works out and Fires is a nightmare, then we paid, what, one-year contracts to two guys that were not that expensive. Yeah, I think it's 10 and, million combined. Yeah. yeah, and we're still well under the lecture tax threshold like they could have picked up a third guy and still been okay so i i think even oh, yeah. if it seems like a disaster it's really not like they they made some smart moves getting those guys just to even test the water with them yep so yeah fires they might have kind of pulled the trigger too soon but i think i said this last week like you can't really knock them for that because nobody really nobody really saw this kind of an off season coming um it's weird seeing guys like jeremy hellickson who's been a a reasonably useful back-end starter, like, you know, no one even, like, sniffing at a guy like that, um, just, you know, just getting kind of a minor league invite, you know, like, it's like, well, all right, we're turning over a new leaf, everybody loves the young blood at this point. The uh, the other announcement that came out today was that um, Ron Gardenhire did say um, that he intends to use Shane Green specifically as a one-inning closer and wasn't planning on kind of stretching him out for longer outings um, and such, which, I mean, it just, again, you know, I've been pretty good, I think, about not being angry. Like, there, there's no emotion, really, about, like, Ron Gardenhire and the decision-making. Um, you know, it's this is kind of what you expect expect from him, and it's going to frustrate me at times. Um, I don't know how he's going to get Shane Green enough innings if he's just pitching as, a, as the one-inning closer, because I think we all realize there aren't going to be that many closing opportunities, or there, at least there probably aren't going yeah. to be. It's it's a weird choice, and I feel like for a guy like that, especially for a guy like Shane, who could really up his value this year as a trade chip, you want to show him off more. Yeah, like give him that flex role a little bit, yeah. Yeah, bring him in, in the, for like the seventh, eighth. Like, this is a guy who started out as a starter. He can handle some innings. So I, I don't know why you couldn't just use him as needed as opposed to just being like, I hate it. I hate I'm sorry. I have to get <laughs> mad about this. I hate <laughs> I hate the bullpen rolls sticking point. Amen, girl. Like, I'm so sick of this, like, oh, I have my seventh inning guy. I have my eighth inning setup guy. You have a bullpen full of guys who can be intermixed. Like, these are not guys that just need that one role. And Shane Green wasn't a closer until last year. So I don't know that we need to pigeonhole him that way when he's so clearly already adapted to longer term relief roles i think that's just so limiting yeah i mean you look at like um you know the indians like you know you know he can you know it's just the way it's set up when you have like three guys that you can trust when they had shaw andrew miller and they also have cody allen closing games it's fine to have cody allen as like your closer because you've got two other guys you can use in any position and they're both dominant relievers um, we don't really have that at all. <laughs> no, I, I mean, we do Alex not still have mess. Andrew Miller. I'm yeah. still so bitter about <laughs> I know. It's worth because, it for Miguel, though. Oh, my God. Andrew Miller has become such a good reliever. Yeah, he's a beast. Like, it's insane the way he paints the corners. And it just, I mean, obviously, we, we did fine in that particular uh, transaction. But it's still so sad to watch him do so well for another team. Yeah, it would be nice to find a guy uh, even kind of si- somewhat similar to that. I mean, it's just it's just like, I don't know, I've said this in the playoffs the last year. Like, it's just like bringing in, you get to bring Chris Sale in fresh out of the bullpen, like, whenever you want. Like, that's kind of what, what it's like. So, um, and if you could do that, Chris Sale would be murder out of the bullpen. And so was Andrew Miller. So, yeah, it's just hard to see. 
you know, like how we're going to get to green and give him these save opportunities if he's if he's locked in just for that one inning. Um, Alex Wilson has really struggled. I can't really imagine the Tigers leaving him off the 25-man roster unless something very, very bad happens this week um, to go along with that same kind of like veteran deference theory. You know, Alex Wilson's kind of like the one guy that they, you know, are probably depending on. Um, you know, they might be depending on Daniel Stump to be okay and, you know, Joe Jimenez to show some flashes and stuff but yeah and to go back and to your point like the bullpen rolls thing has always dri- driven me nuts too because I just feel like the more relievers you use in a game the more likely it is that you that you're going to just turn a bad number like you know you're going to pluck the one guy out who's about to have you know just a terrible terrible outing if you've got somebody on the mound and he's pitching well and he's not tired leave him just, just leave, him, leave there. him alone I know I mean, I also hate the loogie thing, so that's you know yeah, that I feels think people like people are starting to to get away from the loogie thing to some degree. I mean, obviously, it's hard to use someone specifically just as a loogie, but um, yeah, it does seem like um, people are trying to move away from it, and I'm I'm weary of that as well. Um, speaking of semi loogies, um, the other piece of news is that Blaine Hardy emerged um, from you know whatever hole in the ground he was hiding and where his mustache lives and saw his shadow and <laughs> <laughs> he's back on the mound. Yeah. <laughs> that, was a, that was a tangled way to get there, but yeah. He, he was, he'd had some, I think some neck issues early in spring training and hadn't pitched at all. Oh, it was his shoulder. Um, yeah, neck shoulder or shoulder. Pins, shoulder. It was his shoulder. Pins, yeah. yeah. I think he needed some shots, some cortisone shots to, to get back in shape. But um, yeah, he was on the other day. He had a, a, a shutout eighth inning looked really good. Um, so, I mean, that's super promising. So I'm, I'm very pro Blaine Hardy. Um, yeah, me as well. my fantasy team name is the Blaine Hardy boys, so. <laughs> but that's yeah. mostly just because it's delightfully punny. Yeah. And because his wife is a doll. So yeah. And we all like her. So. Well, we do love Nikki Hardy. Nikki Hardy's amazing. I yeah. think I like, I think my fandom for Blaine Hardy is entirely because of how much <laughs> I like her respect and enjoy his super smart funny wife yeah yeah she yeah i you know i can almost she is really funny and i almost forget like oh yeah she's like a genius scientist <laughs> yeah like she's got like a phd or something insane like that like she's super smart yeah that's a pretty cool smart. couple so and we'd actually been talking on um on twitter the other day you know and i was kind of saying like don't you know don't write off blaine hardy yet because you know the way that they've run things and run things in this camp this year has been a little bit different like you know i think shane green only has maybe five five innings so far. There's been a lot of, you know, guys working on the backfields. Um, Liriano's been out there and I kind of figured like, you know, we knew Blaine Hardy was coming back. So he's, he's obviously gotten some, um, some throwing work in. And I mean, yeah, if today is any indication, um, he's, he's ready to, to ready to roll and, you know, he may have an up and down, but I think you can probably at least start to pencil him in um, to, to kind of the second lefty spot, if not the first lefty spot. So yeah, it seems like um, Blaine Hardy is back, and we'll just have to kind of kind of have to see. But I, you just feel like they're going to go to kind of like the veteran, more expected guys, and let them fail before they they really start filling things up with the Johnny Barbato and you know Ryan Carpenter maybe, and you know yeah Zach Reininger. I think, Those guys aren't going to get a shot right I away. Think, I think that's sort of like the summary of the season is that you're going to have to see those those old guys fail hard before we see anything from the new ones. Yeah, which, um, you know, feels totally different from every other season. (laughs) (laughs) This is like standard methodology right here. I'm really interested 
to see just how like Guardian and Chris Bazio are going to get along because you know Chris Bazio like totally comes across as like the you know super innovative like free thinking like you know he's been with the Cubs you know he's he's had the high the well yeah he's been under the, the the reign of Theo so I mean he, he's got to have a very different approach to things working with Joe Madden and then you go to Ron Gardenhire um you know that's going to be interesting it'll be it'll be really interesting just to see if Gardenhire kind of is sort of hands off and you know and kind of rolls with doing things the way Bazio wants to do them. But, you know, he, he talks a lot about more, you know, like flexible relievers who can handle multiple, multiple roles and things like that. And yeah, that, that just kind of clashes with, you know, kind of the old school mentality. So I, I don't know. They're, they're kind of a, kind of an odd couple, but um, I'm very happy to have Chris Bazio. I'll say that much. Yeah. He's definitely my favorite addition this off season. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, the thing that's cool about him is that, I mean, he could totally fail. I mean, he could be, you know, some of these guys might not do anything. All this talk might add up to nothing, but he's not afraid to, to put his fingers and fingerprints and little paw prints on every player and like, you know, have them specifically do something different and, and not be the guy who kind of lays in the back and doesn't take either credit or blame. You know, if, if it's going to go bad, he's going to accept the responsibility because he really is very hands-on and, and not afraid to kind of mess with guys and, and tweak things and, and try to get them to do things differently than they have been. So yeah, he's been a breath of fresh air for sure. Yeah. It's pretty nice. Yeah. I mean, well, yeah, like you said, we'll see what happens if it yields anything, but it has been really nice to watch this spring. Yep. Um, this was actually a, a listener question, but it sounds like it kind of plays into what we're talking about. Um, we were just kind of asked, you know, where we kind of talked about this last week actually too, but we we're kind of asked where the utility roles are at on the team right now and this it's kind of interesting because you know victor reyes had a good day today um but hasn't really done anything you know prior to that the entire spring um jacoby jones is having a monster spring and i believe ron gardner said today that he would really like to take jones north um and would really like to take reyes north and would really like to take everybody north like he wants all his guys but that that's you know a front office decision so We'll have to kind of see how that plays out. But um, right now, I mean, as far as an infielder, like if we leave Jones and Reyes out, do you feel like Alexi Amarista kind of still has the has the spot despite Ronnie Rodriguez's, you know, rap skills and musical ability? Which would be I, fun to have. <laughs> I would take that I'm not sold. I don't know that he's really, like, this is going to sound so... I don't think he's done anything to shine yeah. this spring at all, like to set himself apart as being the obvious guy. And I, I really think, distinguish themselves. Yeah. No, and, but I think, I don't know, it's hard to say. Like, um, Evan Woodbury today was talking about how he thinks they might choose to do a four man bench, um, which would be interesting because then you'd have room for Reyes and Jones potentially. Um, so I don't know. I, I don't know how it's going to go. Like, you still got guys like Nico Goodrum, who, while not interesting, is no less interesting than any of the other guys who've shown up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, he's he's also not dazzled, but he hasn't bombed in such a spectacular way as for me to say, well, he should have been sent down weeks ago. Yeah. So, and, you know, and, he, and Goodrum hasn't really played a lot, but he's actually, I mean, he's he's got like a 313, 343, 688 sla- triple slash line right now, which is great. Um, he hasn't played a lot, but um, I, that's definitely you know kind of one of the better slash lines out there. Ronnie Rodriguez has had a decent you know decent spring as well, but um, and both of those guys have those ties to Gardenhire, so and and kind of his coaching staff. So you got to figure he he kind of you know favors both of them over say Pete Cosma or 
um, Alexi Amarista. It's just that Amarista, you know, some people think he has a little more upside. I'm not particularly concerned with this one way or the other. Like, you could kind of, you could pretty much pluck any of these guys' names out of a hat and it wouldn't really change a whole lot. Um, Amarista That's hasn't hit a lick. sort of my take on it, too. Like, I don't think any of them are so none of them are going to make or break the team I think you're going to have a fine utility player and emphasis on fine like it's just going to be okay like I think you just take the luck of the draw and kind of fire at will yeah and if you look at like Cosmo like he's the only one of those guys that's really suited to to go to triple a if I, you know, I have to check the contract status and, and what they did with him. I'm not sure if we can just assign him or if he'd have to agree to it, but he's not going anywhere. He, nobody, Nobody's going to pick up Pete Cosmo at this point, I can't really imagine. So he's the guy who kind of best fits the go to Toledo, kind of be the mentor to, you know, Dawell Lugo and some of the other young guys. Um, if Jacoby Jones is down there and is playing some infield, he can help him there as well. So it's real, it feels to me like Pete Cosma is the, the guy who's the odd man out, but it's hard to tell the other three. Yeah, really, who's going to make the uh, make the team out of out of spring camp? I feel like it should be good room just because I think given how much drinking Tigers fans will do this season, you might as well get the guy with the boozy name. Yeah, Nico. Yeah. Good rum. Good rum. It's a good rum. Yeah, he'd like team up with Bacardi or something. Be great. See, we're helping the marketing department. It's fine. Yeah, we're trying trying everything we can. Um, yeah, there isn't, but you know, not a whole lot else really went on. Um, you know, since the last podcast, there hasn't been like a whole bunch of news. There hasn't really been any like incredible performances or poor performances. Like Michael Fulmer, you know, has pitched and looked pretty Michael Fulmer-ish. Um, you know, Matt Boyd has been solid enough, like not particularly impressive, but okay. Um, and you know, Miguel Cabrera hit his first home run, continues to hit the ball hard, but not in the air quite as much as I would, I would like to see to kind of buy into the health thing. But you see him running the bases. He looks good. Um, and Victor Martinez is just punishing the baseball, which is just yeah, kind it's of been like great. a total surprise. <laughs> yeah. Victor is just mashing. And, um, you know, just, you just never like, know. How many how... home runs is he up to? Like four or five yeah, or something ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. So he hit another one today. Like he's just been really surprisingly good yep i mean and you know and, and to a degree i mean obviously his his knees are held together with rubber cement and that you know the whole thing could come undone at any point but it is interesting to see how certain like smart veteran hitters can really exploit you know kind of the lesser quality pitching they're seeing right now like it's you know victor martinez even you know leonis martin hasn't you know these guys haven't dealt with triple a pitchers in a long time. And I'm sure they're, they're absolutely loving it. Like Martin is just, you know, out of his mind right now, which uh, I can absolutely guarantee you all these people who are like so upset that we're criticizing Gardy for, uh, for batting Martin first, it's going to fall apart. Like I, you can hope that Leonis Martin has a little bit of an upswing this year. I don't think that's unreasonable, but um, yeah, 326, 380, 565, three home runs, like, mm. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Feel free to play. Yeah, bets, I guess they'll be touting. I told you so all through through April. But by the time we like settle into a real groove, we'll be like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, we told you. Yeah, but we won't be like that because we don't do that too often. <laughs> no, but we think it. We think it real loud at you guys sometimes. Yeah, we do. And then other times I think like, oh, yeah, I really wasn't asked that time. So sorry about that. And yeah, that, like, that no, oh, we, well. were su- we, we were super. We were super wrong <laughs> <laughs> yeah it can come down to that um i think you know the the interesting thing in the outfield is is just hearing Gardy kind of talking up jacoby jones um you know we don't spring training numbers don't really mean that much but if i'm looking at anything that i think does mean something it's young guys who 
typically aren't facing hit, you know, other than AAA pitching anyway. Um, Jones spent most of the last year in AAA and didn't really walk at all. And this year he's drawn walks. Um, and that, so far, at least in the early going, is, is impressive because he's actually facing the same quality pitcher as he normally did last year and didn't succeed against. So it's easier to kind of, you know, attribute some something actually going on there. Um, we'll have to see how it goes on and whether or not he can sustain it. Um, I, I I just find it hard to believe that they're going to bring both of them north and find enough at-bats. Gardy said today, you know, I can find these guys at-bats. I have I have a plan. You know, maybe Mikey Matuk doesn't play every day in left field. You know, maybe Victor sits more days um, than we even think, and Miggy DHs, and you move somebody to first, or you move one of those yeah, guys if- to DH, but it gets complicated, you know, and you can see guys not really getting to play that much. Yeah, I don't know. And I, you know, like you said about about Jones, I really that's a really positive thing because that guy was way too aggressive at base um, with his hitting before. So that's a huge thing. But I think we discussed this last week, and I think there's a lot to be said for giving him time to get those reps in the minors and like really work himself out and get that confidence up. So as much as I'd like to see him continue to blossom at the major league level, the really big part of me is just like, Oh, just give him two more months in Toledo. Just like leave him up there until summer proper starts and, and then move him to Detroit. So that's sort of where I'm at, but I'm not wrong garden hire. So yeah. And it might, you know, and you just never know. It might, might not even really come down so much to his decision. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, you want Jones to get, get enough plate appearances. And if, and I just can't see how he and Reyes on the same squad are going to make that happen. But yeah, you know, if, if Jones can get it going, has a pretty good start, then the thing that we have to discuss is the Tigers probably need to, if they want to keep Victor Reyes, who I think is 23, and they obviously believe, you know, has a lot of potential and could get stronger and start to turn that high average and, and contact ability into more power um, and still play you, you know, maybe a, an okay center field and a solid corner outfield, then you know, it's it's about time to pull the trigger um, sometime in the next week and talk to the Arizona Diamondbacks and offer them some kind of, you know, meager player to um, to just sign over his rights entirely. And if we can do that, then we can outright them to the minor leagues, I believe, if need be. Yeah. So it's probably time to kind of pull the trigger there. Like, Arizona doesn't have any leverage because we've already proven that we're, you know, we can totally play chicken all year. We don't have anything to play for. We'll, we'll stash Victor Reyes on our roster with no problem. So if you guys want to yeah. get anything out of this, you know, you'll take this A.J. Simcox or, you know, whatever kind of random outfielder. <laughs> Troy, You know, we'll send him Troy Montgomery, you know, whatever whatever it is, or maybe even less than that. I don't, I don't even know if they're going to get that much out of us. So, yeah, sometime I would look for that to happen, hopefully, sometime in the next week. Um, I think... I'm putting Mark on Twitter was the first one I, I saw really like harping on that. Like, let's just do this so we don't have to go through this rigmarole of who's getting enough playing time and that. So, yeah, I, I would kind of expect that to happen. Um, there's just no point, you know, putting yourself in a position where you have to stash him on the 25-man roster when Arizona will probably take, you know, a very meager prospect in order to release his rights. So, Yeah, we'll just do it. Bite the bullet. Make the smart move. <clears throat> now that's the that's asking a lot sometimes. But, yeah, I I think that would be the really wise thing for them to do just so that they're, you're not worried about it. You can deal them down to the minors and just go forward with it. Yeah. And just, you know, make sure that way that he and Jones are getting all, all the plate appearances they need um, to, you know, especially with Jones to give him sort of one last year of, of, you know, pretty much full-time reps to try to try to figure out his, his approach at the plate. Um, Reyes is a little younger and, you know, while I'm, I'm not particularly a big fan of that, that pick, 
you know, we're not exactly you know, stockpiled with, you know, solid, interesting, young positional talent. So if, if we can put Victor Reyes down to AAA at some point and let Jacoby, you know, take take his reps and maybe kind of push Martin down in his reps, that would be good as well. So we'll just have to kind of see how it works out. I am assuming that the Tigers know this and we'll we'll make this happen. They've got to know that much. They've got that, I, I think. I'm, I'm well, fingers, sure. <laughs> fingers crossed. Let's yeah. just hope. Let's hope. Yeah, for sure. So, and then, like, yeah, to move on to the bullpen then, you know, like, we pretty much dialed it in last week. Like, it feels like it's Green, Wilson, Stump. I think Jimenez is a lock. Had another dominant monster outing today. Um, was hitting 98, which was nice to see because he wasn't hitting that that consistently last year. Um, Joe just looks really good. There was a nice article in M Live. I think it was by Evan Woodbury. Um, it usually is. And uh, and it was just kind of talking about Chris Basio's praise for Joe Jimenez and just, like, the work ethic he showed this this offseason. Like, Joe is a savage. Um, I really wish people would stop comparing Joe to Bruce Rondon because there is nothing, nothing in common between them except oh, they throw no. hard. And, you know, and they speak Spanish. Like, <laughs> these are not the same guy, people. So, like, you know, Joe Jimenez is an intense, motivated, you know, aggro individual. Um, you know, yeah. and you, you will get whatever Joe Jimenez has to offer out of him on the mound. Yeah, there's none of that, like, show up 40 pounds overweight, slacking and not wanting to be there. Like, it's just all drive all the time. So I, I don't like that the comparison at all. Yeah, Joe needs to be, like, reined back just a touch. <laughs> more than, more than you know, Bruce Rondon needed to be, like, hounded to, to give his best. So, yeah, I wouldn't worry about that. Um, so, yeah, we got Joe at four. And then you've got Buck Farmer and Drew Verhagen who I can pretty much guarantee are going to be in the bullpen. And then you would assume Blaine Hardy if things go well. And if not, you know, we'll kind of have to see how things play out with the, the starting pitchers and whether or not Fires is ready and what they do with Daniel Norris. That's that's all going to play into that last spot. Yeah, Stump, Stump has done pretty well, so I don't I wouldn't be surprised to see him show up. Yeah, that was a good, uh, that was a solid Rule 5 pick last year. Um, you don't generally do any better than, than what they did getting Daniel Stump. Um, he's been pretty effective generally, and yeah, the strikeout touch looks good this spring. He's walked a couple too many guys, um, but you know that may just kind of be a bit of his MO. He's, he's, he's probably not going to be a dominant reliever. I think he's already 27, but he could be a very useful one. Well, somebody's got to eat those innings. Yep. Somebody eat these innings. Somebody eat, eat them. Eat they're so fine. They're so fibrous. Just eat, eat the innings. <laughs> so, as far as the Tigers roster goes, I mean that's pretty much it. Um, there's been a, there's been some tidbits, you know, kind of steadily um, out of the minor league camp about some of the Tigers prospects. There's been a lot of like interesting little notes, like nothing major. But I'm not going to get into them because we're going to try to have Miss Emily Walden, um, who's the prospect writer um, for The Athletic, who writes about the Tigers farm system and writes about the Blue Jays farm system as well, or at least has in the past. And we're going to try to get her on, hopefully when she's back from Lakeland, either next week or the week after that, as kind of a um, a preview to the minor league season kicking off. And we'll kind of ask her about that because um, she's, you know, if you don't follow Emily on Twitter, you really should, if you're interested at all in the Tigers farm system. Um, you can also look up her YouTube channel where she's posting clips of just about every pitcher and interesting position player that's down there. Um, I would do that if I were all of you, and I do do that. And yes. she's been cranking out the good content and just winning as she usually does. So Yeah, and she's down there right now, and she's been doing a lot of backfield stuff, so lots of really great stuff on the, the young prospects. Yep, and I'm sure she's you know she's kind of knows all these guys from covering them at West Mi- Michigan. They know her. Um, you know, she tends to get good stories out of them, so... I actually, I badgered her the other day to start asking them about dirt. 
because I just want to know. Yeah, I want to know, you know, I just seem like a weird thing that no one would ask them about that might lead to some other interesting, you know, I don't know, just kind of anecdotes, but... You know, players like different dirt. Like, you know, there's, you know, the, the dirt at this stadium is better than the dirt here. And especially when you're in the minor leagues and some of the stadiums aren't aren't quite as good. I just wondered if they had any stories about, about dirt and where they like to play, what, what dirt feels good, what batter's <laughs> eyes in the minor leagues feel good. So I think she's, um, she's so like far her. managed to ignore me on that front. But we'll see if uh, maybe I can badger her into getting a little bit on that. No more dirt talk for you. I know. I know. Well, I mean, it just comes down to me just being like such an obsessive nerd about like weird minutia in baseball. And that was just something so that occurred funny. to me. Yeah. So we had to do that. Um, yeah. I don't know. That kind of covers like most of the basic tiger topics. Um, should we take listener questions at the should end or do you want yeah. to talk about? What do we have left? Uh, not, <laughs> it was not like we have a checklist, right? Like, I know. There's like, not we we don't there. have a um, um, we just kind of ramble through this, guys. I know it sounds like we're super organized. But <laughs> yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure we're faking it. Totally shocked to find this out. Um, well, all right, let's go into the the minor league thing because I really want to do um, to at least touch on that because oh, yeah, yeah. we've been kind of hammering the owners all off season, and I'm probably going to continue to hammer the owners all off season. But MLB is, um, and this was just uncovered this week. MLB is trying to insert into the the American tax bill, the tax bill that is trying to be like refinalized and tweaked a provision that would exempt major league baseball from all federal labor law. And the reason they're doing this is oh, that yeah. the minor leaguers in general have gotten together and some of them are, I, I believe at least working toward filing a class action lawsuit because minor league players, of course, by and large are paid, you know, pretty much dirt cheap wages um, while putting in 16 to eight, 18 hour days. Um, and you know, there's plenty of arguments back and forth. Like, you know, most of these guys aren't going to make the major leagues, um, and a lot of that extra effort is is sort of their own sort of gumption. But by the same token, they're they're woefully underpaid as it is. And to see, you know, if they can't work it out amongst themselves, that's one thing. Um, and the the players' union, um, which obviously only represents major league players, but they haven't done a whole lot for minor leaguers either. In fact, they've kind of agreed to just let their rights more or less go by the wayside over the past couple of years, especially the international players. But, you know, baseball already has an antitrust exemption. Any owner in the game has a damn license to just print money, you know, coming out of their ears. They're making money off, um, you know, the advanced media stuff. It's just it's just such an ugly, ugly move to then, on top of all these perks that they have, all these advantages that are just built in, you know, beyond, like, having stadiums just built for your club, you know, by the local community. Yeah. But now they want a special exemption from federal labor law as well. So... I just had to bring that up, but um, it's, yeah, all this stuff is just frustrating. No, it's super gross, and you see a lot of, like, there's some guys who get really vocal about it, how how absurd it is that there is no minimum wage or no base salary pay for minor league players. Like, we see it mostly when they hit the majors, where they're expected to earn, you know, league minimum, and it's hard to feel bad for a guy making $500,000 in a year, right? Yep. But that's when you hit the majors, and there are dozens and dozens and dozens of guys breaking their bodies and working these minor league games that are still making franchises money, and these guys make so little. And I'm not going to like you know say that every minor league team is just raking in dough because, like, I've read the only rule is it has to work, and the Sonoma's like, <laughs> like Stompers, the Sonoma yeah. Stormers. Stompers, um, yeah, they're not like bathing in cash. 
cash. They can barely afford to do that little like, you know, sandwich spread for the guys. But like there has to be a point where you say, especially for these affiliated teams where they're running under the banner of a huge organization that you have to say, yes, we care about these people as people beyond just the $10,000 signing bonus we gave to make them skip college to come and play for us, you know? Like, you're, to make you're building... grand a year, yeah. Yeah, like, I've seen, like, the guys talk about doing their taxes on Twitter, where it's like, just, uh, yeah, I made maybe $12,000 playing baseball professionally last year. And that's appalling. Like, these guys are literally, like, hinging their entire futures on this, giving up a lot of them giving going right out of high school because they think that this is like a chance for them and whether or not it is they should be treated fairly as workers like it's insane to me that there's not a minimum wage in baseball yeah i mean obviously you know no one is forcing you to play baseball and you know they're they're taking this opportunity but even from a pragmatic standpoint like it just doesn't make sense to put your you know the the guys who you are hoping to grow into talent that will eventually like you know work for your major league team and bring in the money and be successful. Like they, you know, a lot of them have, you know, this has been an ongoing thing for years where guys are living like five to a crappy little dorm where, you know, they can't drink the water out of the faucet and they're all eating, you know, pizza every night because it's the only thing they can all kind of get together on and afford to eat pizza. Teams obviously recognize that these guys don't have any money because they're starting, you know, to have chefs. They're starting to, you know, put out like a healthy food spread after game, before and after games and stuff like that. Like they, they realize that they're not paying them enough to, to live on and take care of themselves the way they need to, to perform at their best and to improve and to, you know, improve their nutrition and grow, etc. So they know this. And yeah, it's just, you know, I, I can't really exempt the major league players, you know, association from this either. Cause they really have kind of just like thrown the minor league players to the wolves by and large. But, um, but to ask for a specific exemption to federal labor law with all the other advantages major league owners have is just kind of asinine and disgusting to me. So it's, it's a little evil. Yeah, like, it really is. It's just pushing it's so like, hard, you know? No, let us make it legal and part of the law that we can treat these guys like shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's gross. I'm sorry. You're all billionaires. You can afford it. You can afford to pay these people, like, human living weight. Yep. And if you can't... If somebody who owns a McDonald's franchise can afford to pay their workers minimum wage, the people who have billions and billions of dollars owning sports teams can afford to pay minor league players. Yep. Going to have to agree with that. Or, I don't know, maybe uh, maybe they should just give it up and then everybody just goes to college and, you know, <laughs> and then that screws up the entire talent pipeline for teams. You know, I mean, if that's really the, the avenue that they want to take, like, oh, these guys, you know, could have gone and done something else, but they've all decided to just, you know, not go to college and play for us. Well, yeah, there's a reason they did that. It's because, you know, they're trying to be the best they can be, which is what you want too. You guys have the same dang goal here. So, yeah. Stop, stop squeezing the crap out of these kids to make this work even better for yeah, yourselves when you're all making it, a fortune. Jerks. It's the dream they <laughs> sold them, so... Yeah, yeah, exactly. The dream that usually doesn't come true for whatever, 90 Yeah, about 80, 90% of them, yeah. Yeah, no doubt. So, yeah, you know, it's a, it just kind of goes on and on with, you know, them trying to bring free agent salaries under control, all this other stuff. Um, you know, what they did with the international market... Um, getting those guys to the point where you know, even, you know, even the the number one overall international prospect is probably going to get like two million dollars as a signing bonus, whereas the amateur draft with the American players, um, you know, the number one overall player that we 
that we take this year is probably going to get somewhere Yay. in the neighborhood of $7 million. Um, hopefully less than that. Hopefully we can get them to sign under slot and then use that money in the second round. But that's another, another topic. A topic that we are about to get to because... Let me figure out who asked me this. Somebody asked it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Someone asked you know, this is a little bit soon, but you know which, which player are we looking for currently in the Major League Draft? Like, who do we think we want to take number one overall? It's Colors You Have. Um, really good BYB comment, commenter. And as he says, you know, obviously things can change over the next several months. But right now, who would you think you would you like to see the Tigers draft with their first pick? And I was that little shorty position player. I was into him. Yep, Nick Nick Madrigal. That's the guy. Yep. That's my guy. Yep. And you know, I've honestly I've kind of come around to leaning that way as well. I really really like Ethan Hankins, um, right hander. You know, throws huge gas with um, you know kind of like an upright delivery with a lot of life on the fastball looks a little bit like a Verlander Scherzer type fastball wow. um, he's got a nasty you, breaking ball and a changeup. I really like that kid you've but, literally just described like the pitch perfect no pun intended Tigers like draft choice like that's a hundred percent what the Tigers lean for yeah that's what they like it's the only you know the only thing is that he's you know he's a prep player you know he's he's only 18 years old and the Tigers have drafted you know, I think what three out of their last four number one overall picks have been, um, or number one picks, first round picks have been um, high school players. So I don't know if maybe they'll want to go away from that. There's another guy, Casey Mize, who's having a monster season for Auburn, I believe, so far. Uh, he threw a no no a couple weeks ago, throws 96. Um, doesn't really have that good of a breaking ball in my view, but has like a really nasty split fingered fastball um, that functions as his changeup. And that thing is nasty. Like it goes really well with his fastball. And. The Tigers as an organization seem to be teaching more guys the splitter. Um, they moved Matt Manning to throw in a splitter, Sandy Baez, um, both of those guys just over the past year, as well as a couple others. So it, he, Casey Baez kind of starts to fit the Tigers' profile of a, a hard-throwing righty with a splitter who maybe you could project his, his breaking ball into like an average, maybe a little bit above average pitch. So I wouldn't be surprised if they took him either. But right now I'm with you. I'm, I'm actually leaning Nick Madrigal because Nick Madrigal seems like basically a no-doubt um, above average second baseman. Like it's pretty hard to imagine with the skill set that Nick Madrigal has that he's not going to come up and be useful within like a year and and be an above average player for a long time. He's not going to hit for a ton of power. He's basically Jose Altuve's size without quite the thickness. He's not as strong. He's not built like a fire plug. He's more of a scrappy Dustin Pedroia type guy. But what do you mean muscle you can build? So <laughs> I'm not worried about hits, that. Like... And he hits for plenty of power anyway. Yeah, exactly. I'm I'm excited. He's the only one. Like, I'm, I'm not as crazy about prospects. Uh, I haven't been traditionally. I know like now. the last year is obviously <laughs> the the last year is obviously kind of forced me to have to to dive in because otherwise I can't care about baseball. <laughs> um, but it's um yeah he's he's gotten my attention. I'm I'm pretty excited about him. Yeah, and I just, it's just hard to trust the Tigers to, like, pick another pitcher, and I di I'm just sketchy about what the Tigers are going to do, so I'm, I'm really leaning toward Madrigal as well. Um, I, you know, it feels like Kylie McDaniel from Fangraphs, Eric Langenhagen from Fangraphs have both really, really sung this, this kid's praises. Um, he's yeah. got double-plus speed. He doesn't have, the only thing you can say against him is he doesn't have a good, that good of an arm, but he's a second baseman, so it doesn't matter. He's got an amazing hit tool. He's got enough power probably to hit 20 home runs in the major leagues. And he's a plus defender at second base. And we need up-the-middle guys. So, to me, 
it kind of feels like a no-brainer unless one of the pitchers just, you know, really just goes nuts and the Tigers can't resist. And unfortunately, that's probably what's going to happen because we know who, what they like. They loves them a hard-throwing righty. It's it's like Tiger catnip. It really is. I mean, I love me a hard-throwing righty as well, but yeah, you know, it's like they're they're desperately searching for another Justin Verlander and uh, yeah, those guys just don't come along. <laughs> very, no. Maybe not ever. So yeah, very rarely. Um, all right. Well, let's get into the listener questions real quick. Um, let's see what we've got here. Oh yeah. Tim Bavamote asked, who do you predict will be the Tigers rookie of the year? And we both just thought like, Oh no. Oh no. Because if you actually break down like service time and stuff, the Tigers might not even have very many rookies. Um, yeah. Yeah, Machado's out. He got it last year. Candelario hit his limits. Neither of us can really decide if Jones applies anymore. Would Jimenez still have, or has he hit his service time? Uh, you know, I think he's hit his service time too, because yeah. he was out there for quite a few months. I'd have to check. Um, but yeah, it's, it's like, I don't know. I don't know if there's going to be a rookie of the year. <laughs> like if I had to pick somebody right now, it's probably going to be like a pitcher who we haven't seen a whole lot of, like, you know, Ryan Carpenter or... Um, I'm trying to think of who else. You know, Johnny Barbato, I think, has pitched at least two seasons in the major leagues for a little bit. So I don't think he's going to be eligible. So this isn't really that much to choose from. Um, how about we just go with this? Like, who didn't start on the team last year and isn't over 25 <laughs> that you think oh, is going to have a good year? Lord. I'm just going I'm... to steal Candelario right before he can even say anything. You can't. He's hit his limits. I don't care. Oh, you're fine. Um, I will pick Jimenez if we're just picking off <laughs> just whatever we want. Yeah, that's pretty much if, how it is. If, if the rules don't matter anymore, Joe's my guy. Yeah, yeah. I, I do like the Joe. It's going to be interesting to see uh, how he comes along this year because by midseason we may we need him already, but we may really need him <laughs> once Green yeah. hopefully is traded for something useful. Um, let's see. We've kind of covered the camp battle. Um Jacob Markle, our prospect writer, who should just answer this dang question himself, wants to know, with a crowded upper minors pitching core, how does Franklin Perez's injury affect the development track of other prospects? And that is a tough question because we don't really know for sure where guys were slated to be assigned anyway. But we know Perez was going to be at AA. Um, We have some idea who else would be there. Um, Sandy Baez, probably Gregory Soto, Kyle Funkhauser, guys like that. And I just think it kind of just locks those guys in for sure. Like, Perez is going to take, you know, half the season to get back. We know Burroughs was going to be there. I think, you know, you could look at Kyle Funkhauser before this happened and think, like, maybe he should start with Lakeland for a month or so, kind of get his wheels back under him after missing most of the second half of the season. But I think at this point, they're going to kind of push him and Soto more aggressively than get them into Erie. And maybe, boy, you just don't know. I, they might even move um, Alex Fiedo there faster than people think um you know there's kind of been some weird notes about Fiedo like from some scouts who aren't real happy with his conditioning over the last off season that he didn't really make any progress and things like that but we'll have to see how that goes but I can't really imagine them moving Austin Sodders up to Erie this fast uh Matt Hall is probably going to turn into a reliever um Grayson Long eh, actually that's not a, that's not a bad call either Grayson Long might get the call there but I don't really know for sure, to tell you the truth, Jacob. So we'll just, we're just just going to have to kind of see what they decide to do. I don't think it affects things too much. I just think that you're going to see a guy like either Funkhauser, Soto, or Fiedo, whoever's having the nicest spring and is, and is looking good and like they can handle the jump, will probably get the nod to move up to Erie. 
Um, another interesting fallout of that, though, could be that there's a spot as a result open with the Flying Tigers in Lakeland at Advanced Day, and Matt Manning might get his wish um, and actually start Yay! out at Lakeland. Yeah, instead of starting back out at West Michigan to kind of see how it goes for a little bit. So I'm rooting for Matt to get what he wants there. It sounds like um, he's been looking really good this spring. Um, reports are generally he's been throwing 93-96 um, with better mechanics and better feel for the curve and the change-up. So he seems to be making some progress. It's hard sometimes to separate the the happy horseshit type reports from actual, like, legit critiques and scouting. But um, it sounds like he's having a pretty good spring camp so far. So maybe you'll see him in Lakeland as he desired. Um, oh, yeah. Our site editor, Revo Jackie, wants to know who's going to win our staff fantasy league. And we're not allowed to pick Nolan, who wasn't there for the draft and managed to auto-draft auto <laughs> a pretty darn impressive team. Although, of uh, course, when you auto-draft, Yahoo always loves your team. So, Yeah, well, there you because they picked it. Um, I want it to be Cam, just because um, he had no idea what he was doing and, and was, I think, just picking willy-nilly. Um, and was, like, super convinced he was going to just crash and burn. So, Because I'm not going to pick myself. Uh, mostly because I made some dumb, dumb choices in drafting. Um, but yeah, my my goal, my 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 votes for Cam, Cam yeah. Kaiser. Yeah, you know, I I wasn't real thrilled with my draft either. Like I did really well early on with the bats, but I kind of let pitching slip a little bit too long because I had Scherzer in the first round, and <clears throat> I don't know. I've got a lot of kind of iffy arms <laughs> at the back yeah. of the, at the back of the list, so. Uh, all right, well, I can't pick him, so I will probably take Rob. I actually liked a lot of the picks that Rob made, and uh, it feels bad to just like suck up to Rob, but it's a pretty good looking. It's a pretty good looking roster, actually. That's <laughs> pretty nasty. So, all right, I'm gonna go with Rob. I will take Rob, and then we will move on from assorted nonsensical staff member questions to actual people questions. Uh, what's the best case? This is asked by David Bratz on Twitter at Detroit Fan and DFW. What's the best case for the Tigers in terms of wins? Um, if Miggy and Vmart yeah. had some solid seasons with good health, Nicholas has the breakout season some expect, and Candelario has a solid full season. Um, with Zim, Fulmer, and Boyd all pitching well, what could we really do? We're talking like best best yeah, case scenario. Like if everything went right, more or less. 70 wins 75 oh. I, if we're gonna go best best case i still feel like 75 is the best we can do yeah i mean i think that that's reasonable um i don't know i mean if everything went right i could probably actually see the tigers winning close to 80 81 games i could see that happening but oh my god would it take a lot to go right yeah i mean I'm talking Daniel Norris, you know, has, like, a really good, like, breakout season. Matt Boyd looks like a mid-rotation starter and can give us, you know, 170, 180 innings. Um, I'm talking Miggy is back. Victor is back. Nick has a huge year. Mikey kind of continues the way he did last year. Candelario has a good year. If all these things go well and then you have, like, Jimenez coming along to kind of back that bullpen up, I, I mean, I can see the way that could happen. Uh, but my God, is it unlikely? Um, it's just that baseball is so damn weird. Like if you look at the roster last year, um, I mean, it, it almost seems impossible that they could only win, you know, in the low sixties. I mean, it's just, it's almost unfathomable that they won as few games as they did with the roster that they put out there. So 
Um, sometimes, you know, you have a nice collection of players, but they don't fit together well. And sometimes you have a collection of players that isn't very good and something just clicks. So I'm going to try to bet on the, the garden hire bounce, just that things are new this year. Chris Basio is going to have an effect on some of the pitchers, at least in the early going. And hopefully they come out of the gate a little hot and then, you know, can just kind of hang on. But I'm still projecting them. Yeah. Like high sixties, you know, I think I said 69 a bunch of times, 69, 70 seems like about right. <laughs> and it could definitely go worse with a couple of extra injuries in there. And there's always injuries. That's the thing. Like, I'm keeping uh, that in mind, but you know, like, I mean, if we had a really bad injury season, this team could, yeah, could win 50 games. No doubt. I, it'd be cool with 65. I mean, it's a low, I know it's terrible. It's not a hundred losses. And I'm, I'm really okay. If they only win 65 games this year, that's at least 65 wins. I'm trying to be philosophical about it. Yeah, we actually have a roundtable um, coming out on the site um, sometime in the next day or two that's, that kind of asks that question, like, what's a successful Tiger season? And for me, like, there isn't really a possible successful season for the team. It's much more about, like, the you know, the five or six key young players um, that they need to see do well and, like, Shane Green, hopefully, so that they can, you know, get something back for them. Um, that, you know, that, those are the kind of things that, that we're going to be looking for is in terms of goals. Like I'm much more interested in whether or not the Erie Seabolds and, <laughs> and, you know, Lakeland Flying Tigers have good years and, and those guys oh, yeah. take steps. Um, cause yeah, it's, it's just hard to see much really mattering at the, in the, in the major leagues beside the players who, you know, potentially could be here long-term. So yeah, it's just going to be that kind of. That kind of year, and we're just all gonna have to have to deal with it. I'm sorry. I'd like Bunker down. Yeah, I'd like to give you know a little bit of optimism out there, but it just yeah, it just isn't very much. <laughs> um, let's see. Oh, Yancey Eaton, love Yancey. Yeah, excellent follow on Twitter as well. Podcast host, baseball master extraordinaire. Um, he just wants us to talk about Heimer Candelario and like, or Jamer Candelario. Damn it. They sent me, Emily Walden sent us a, a pronunciation guide <laughs> and put it out on Twitter. And I still butchered Jamer Candelario. But how I've, I've been pronouncing fires properly all day. I know you did great. I think Thank I you. still butchered it one time, but uh, yeah, I don't know what, what, to, I mean, do you really feel like, you know, Candelario is going to build on last year or you think this is kind of a year to just sort of like stabilize where, what he did last year maybe take his lumps a little bit and then hopefully kind of get things back in gear late in the season. It's kind of hard to I tell. Know. I really want him to kind of be an exciting, like just his addition late last year and it, it, exciting may not be the right word, but he did feel like he gave a little something that like youthful pop to the team. And I, I don't know that he's going to be, you know, break out in a way that people are going, Oh yeah, shit. He's the next JD Martinez. Um, but like, I, I still think he's going to have that kind of presence where we're like, this is a guy to watch. And I think Yance wanted to know because of fantasy baseball. Yeah, this is a and, fantasy baseball question, no <laughs> doubt. And I feel like Jamer would be a good pickup for your fantasy team. Like, he's no Acuna, but he'd be, you know, a, a good, you need corner bats, I think is what Yance had said. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you're I feel like you could leader, do worse than picking up. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you're in a deep league and, and, you know, you're kind of strapped for someone, I think, like, he's a pretty stable guy, like, you know, um, in terms of his peripherals and, and kind of the, the numbers he posted last year, like, he seems like a guy who's probably going to come pretty close to his projections. Um, I think, you know, let's see. Yeah, Zips has him basically as a 93 WRC plus hitter, which is just below average. Um, 
steamer basically the same. I think he might be able to do a little better than that because he's he's consistently drawn at least league average walks um, in his minor league career. Um, he had walks at 9.2% last year, which is better than league average. Um, he strikes out, you know, he's probably going to strike out 20, 22% of the time, which isn't bad. Um, I just think he's going to be fairly solid, but you're just not going to get the counting stats. I don't really expect him to, to go off and hit 20 home runs this year. Um, it might take a little bit of time for the for the power to show up. Um, but then again, you know, Comerica Park I mean, is you... a really good place to hit, and he might just kind of like settle right in in that lineup and just start mashing. So we'll have to see. But I wouldn't I wouldn't go crazy. I, if he if Yancey Eaton, if you can get Nick Castellanos, that's what you should do because <laughs> he still has third base eligibility for this year. I mean, if you're in a keeper league, maybe. Because this is going to be Candelario's first year really doing much consistently at a big league level, too. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Yeah. Yeah, he's really... Because um, he was really restrict- restricted with the Cubs. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. He didn't really play that much. Um, and, it, you know, and, it, and it's just hard to draw any conclusions with such a small sample. Like, he, you know, he's a guy who doesn't really look like he has too many holes in his swing, actually. Um he looks like he's going to make a pretty good amount of con- a good amount of hard contact, and because he's a switch hitter and pretty pretty balanced from both sides, um, I think you can depend on him to be reasonably solid. Uh, but unless you're in a real deep league, he's just not going to provide anything in terms of like steals or or home runs to really help you out there. And because the Tigers are going to be bad, he's not going to provide you much in terms of runs and RBI either. So yeah, I'm, I'm going to tell you to just like steer clear, Yancey, unless you really really need help. Like if it's just desperate. You're at the end of your rope. <laughs> Otherwise, give me your, give me your, and we'll see. Uh, we'll have a little better sense of of what Candelario is going to do for us in the year to come. Uh, I already love that he posts like a little, like you know, a little candy emoji yeah. every time he hits a home run. <laughs> yep, that comes across on Twitter every time I he hits a home run. Love it. It just seems like such, a, such a nice dude. Yep, and you know he and he just comes. He has the right background. He has that background where his dad was a owned a you know. a pitching, you know, like, what do you call it? Like a batting cage setup, you know, where you have like a bunch of pitching machines and batting cages. Um, I don't know oh, if, that's if, awesome. Dominican, if it has like go-karts and all that business, but, but yeah, he grew up in that environment with his dad teaching hitting. So, I mean, he's, he's a hitting junkie. He's a, he's a obsessive. So yeah, I mean, I think it's, you know, he seems precocious. I think he's going to hold his own. Um, but yeah, don't expect too much from him yet. Um, and is there anything else of note? Oh, yeah, there is one, but this one is one you're going to have to take. Um, T-Town Astros asks, Pacific Rim Uprising or Ready Player One? I have no idea. I know <laughs> what Ready Player One is. I hear good things, but that's all I can say. I have strong opinions about Ready Player One. Oh, no. Which I shared. Um, well, I haven't seen it, right? It's not out until, I think, the 29th. Um, and Pacific Rim Uprising comes out this weekend. Pacific Rim Uprising is obviously the sequel to Pacific Rim, which was amazing. Um, but it's not done by Guillermo del Toro, uh, um, like the original was, which helps make it so good. Um, which, is like, Pacific Rim was one of those movies where I was like, uh, this looks real dumb. It's like robots versus giant sea monsters. Which, now that I say that summary out loud, I don't know why I thought it would be bad, because that's a fucking awesome You just sold that to a whole bunch summary. of right. Yeah. Yeah, so, yes, if you haven't seen Pacific Rim, go do that. Um, but it's no, like, it's pretty disconnected. The cast isn't the same. Um, so I'm not 100% sure I want to see either of them, to be totally honest. Um, I read the book and really enjoyed the book Ready Player One, um, but the trailer looks nothing like the book. And I just don't feel like seeing a movie where they try to cram in as many pop culture references as humanly possible. Which, if somebody's read the book, they're going to be like, that's the entire book. 
and I know that I've read it, but the book is really like, it starts out at least very small scale, like having to hit a kill screen on an old school video game or like having to like reenact an entire scene from the movie war game. It was like, it's very like cheeky about its, its awareness of eighties pop culture. Whereas the trailer looks like, hey, look, there's guys from Halo and Battletoads and here's like the DeLorean and here's like 90 bajillion references that you'll need to watch this movie 700 times to get. And I'm just mad at it. <laughs> so, um, I probably won't go see either of them. <laughs> Ooh, right, there's some, there's some, I, I won't say harsh words, but distinct skepticism, let's say. Hey, I paid money to go see Tomb Raider last week, so it's not like I'm against paying money to see cheesy bad movies. Uh, but, you know. How was um, Tomb Raider while we're on the subject? It's fun! It's it's not... It's a, such a popcorn movie. It's, like, paper-thin plot. It's good action. It's a cheap Indiana Jones knockoff. But it made enough money. I think they'll make a sequel. And I'm a huge fan of the video games, so I'm like a big Lara Croft fan, especially the new ones. And Alicia Vikander did a great job. I mean, she's an Oscar-winning actress, so I would expect nothing less. And she seemed to have fun with it. Um, they used Daniel Wu in it, um, who most people might know from AMC's show Into the Badlands. And in that show, he's like this crazy, amazing fighter, and you get to see a lot of like crazy kung fu stuff. And you got none of that in the movie. So I'm hoping if they like do a sequel, they use him more and actually show what he can do. So, I don't know, that's uh, Ashley's movie review corner, because we're not talking about books this week. Yeah, maybe I'll give that a whirl, because, uh, yeah, I'm, mainly because I was a big uh, Angelina jo- Jolie fan, but I actually did enjoy the original two major movies, <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, it's fun, it's I'll like, it, a whirl. it's very, like, grab some popcorn, go in with no expectations, and it's it's enjoyable. All right. Let me just wrap a couple things up. There's a couple notes here, and I don't know if if we'll end up writing about these if there's enough um, kind of to hit on them, but just because I, I noticed a couple things over the course of the day, um, there, there were kind of two things that have happened recently, which is like Ron Gardenhire, the Tigers have basically just been kicking the ball all over the ballpark over the past week, and Ron Gardenhire apparently was just dropping F-bombs and lit into him the other day. So that will appease some people who, you know, are really hoping that, you know, he's, he's Mr. Fire and, you know, is all over these guys and, and hounding them to play better. Um, you know, playing fundamental baseball is especially key when you're not particularly talented. So, um, I, you know, that is part of the role that Ron Gardenhire is, is, is brought in to handle is to get these young guys to kind of play the game solidly, to, to play with strong fundamentals. And he's at least, you know, bringing it up and upset about it. But um, we haven't really seen any results yet. Um, it's been a little sloppy out there. And then the other thing, and this one is the kind of thing that maybe I will touch on, um, is that Michael Fulmer has definitely shown off a slower slider this this um, spring. He's definitely been working on that, trying to get more depth on it. And this is sort of the key um, to Michael Fulmer becoming like a true ace, like a legit, like striking out a batter per inning, going 200 innings. Um, if he's going to become that kind of guy, he does need more strikeouts than we've seen the first two seasons, even though he was very good. And that new slower slider, which is more like 85, 86 um, seems to be more effective. It seems like guys are, are taken by the separation between the speed of that and the speed of his fastball. And they're whiffing on it a little bit more. And so that's something to watch for um, as the season starts. Because if he's got that going, um, and as long as he can stay healthy, which is, of course, the, the key thing, Michael Fulmer's going to have a big, big year. 
And hopefully the Tigers won't trade him because I've, I don't know. I'm really, I'm really starting to be sketchy. About I, that too. <laughs> I really want him to be part of the rebuild. So do I. I mean, you have him and if Norris or, I mean, you kind of have to wait. I just wish like, just let, just wait this year. If Norris or Boyd takes a step forward, you've got two guys, you've got a host of pitching in the minor leagues and you have a very low payroll by the Tiger standards. And you can build from that. Um, especially having the number one pick, um, I don't think you need to trade Fulmer at that point. Now, if you know Norris and Boyd struggle this year and it doesn't really look like either one of them is ever going to get it together, then you're probably pushing the timetable back another year or two to 2021, 20, before you can really even expect this team to like have a fighting chance of, of sneaking into a wild card spot. So we'll just have to see how it plays out this spring. But yeah, I mean, uh, it, it it would really hurt to trade Michael Fulmer. Like I'm just not very comfortable with this front office getting enough back for him. <laughs> so maybe that's really no. my problem. Like if Dave Dombrowski was going to trade Michael Fulmer, maybe I'd feel a little bit better about it, but I don't feel very good about it. No. Yeah. Nope. 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 So everybody just chill. Um, in other news, and this is pretty the last news item is that of course, Bark in the Park will be back twice this year. And really yes. we would like to both, I think we both agree with this. We should we'd suggest that the Tigers do Bark at the Park every damn day because yes. <laughs> they are going to need to help the pack some people in there. I looked at opening That's what day I said, 81 games ago. a year, Bark of the Park. Yeah, if you're out there thinking about going to opening day, uh, you can still get tickets. <laughs> and that is not the case normally, so yeah, take advantage if you can. Um, so that's going to wrap it up this week. Um, we'll be back next week, possibly with Miss Emily Walden. Um, I don't know, maybe we'll bring Rob in. I, I haven't even thought about that, but maybe Rob, maybe Rob would like to get back in here. Um, who? Yeah, yeah, I don't know, that Rojaki fellow who runs everything and tells us what to do. All right, our boss. Yeah, the smart, the smart guy. <laughs> that With guy. The yeah, that guy. Um, so yeah, we'll uh, we'll see how that goes. We'll have some some extra things coming up for you once the season starts. But until then, we will bid you adieu. You can follow Ashley at ninety feet from home on Twitter. You can follow myself, Brandon Day, at Fiscadoro seventy four on Twitter. And we will see you on the other side. But just days left till opening day. Ashley. Bye. I think we fulfilled our obligation, as I believe Carson Sistuli puts it. <laughs> <laughs> Have a good night. Good night. Bye-bye. What if every time you went out, you could cash in? Now with the Capital One Saver Card, you earn 4% cash back on dining and entertainment, like celebrating every year the crew gets older. Or when you and your crew are courtside during overtime. No matter your reason for going out, now you have four more. Introducing the new Saver Card from Capital One. Earn 4% on dining and 4% on entertainment. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. Capital One Bank, USANA.